1: And we are back. Welcome back, Irish Breakdown Nation, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Y'all remember that, dude? That's Brian Smith. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we are here to talk about Notre Dame picking up Christopher Tarek, a 2023 offensive lineman from Glen Ellen, Illinois, Glenbard West. If that sounds familiar, it's close to a 2024 commit, uh, Cam Williams, who's from Glenbard East. Or no is is he from Glenbard South? Cam Williams is from Glenbard South, so obviously a very very close area. So Notre Dame picks up an offensive lineman from Christopher Terek, and not just picked them up, Brian, but they flipped them from Wisconsin. And I think you and I would both agree <laughs> that when you can go beat Kit Wisconsin for kids, you're landing some a, a, a physical kid and the kid with some potential and some upside.
2: I love getting at least one good offensive or defensive lineman from Chicago. It's just a traditional thing because I grew up in the uh, Wu Holtz era anyway. But when I watched his film, and I know we're going to talk more specifics about it in a moment, his junior to senior film, I mean, he was a good player as a junior, but the difference is striking to me to see him as a senior. I just watched it again a few minutes ago. So yes, it is indeed a good pickup.
1: Brian, there's, this is an interesting backstory. So let's kind of talk about how this one went down. Then we'll get into you know, what the class impact is for Notre Dame. We'll watch some film and then we'll talk about what's next in this class. So Christopher Tarek obviously is a name that wasn't on the radar for a while. And you watch his junior film, Brian, and you're like, yeah, he's a nice kid. He's a project type of kid that can go to Wisconsin, sit for two, three years and you know, eventually have a chance to to step in and be a guard there and maybe be an all Big Ten, cali- Big Ten caliber kid, comes out as a senior a little longer, a little thicker, and he was moving better. And his senior film, for me, really popped, which we'll, we'll get into here in a little bit. And then as Notre Dame started kind of looking around at two thousand and twenty, uh, the 2023 class, they were in a situation, Brian, where when you look at, and, and we'll kind of talk about this, the, the class impact, five offensive linemen wasn't a need it was more of a want if the right guy came along. I reached out to some sources in the last couple of weeks as Christopher Tarek was kind of in decision-making mode and said, hey, if you guys, you know, if Notre Dame doesn't get this kid, where do they turn? And the answer I kind of got back was they they're nowhere. They'll focus on 2024. They don't need another offensive lineman. Harry Hestand and the staff liked Christopher Tarek. They wanted Christopher Tarek. It was either him or nobody else on the offensive line. And so right. – They got on him later. They brought him in for a visit in the middle of October uh, so that fans kind of will understand that recruits don't react. I I say this all the time, Brian. Every time Notre Dame loses a game, I literally had people asking me this last night. Does the loss to USC, how is it going to affect us with recruits? Are we going to lose any recruits because of it? I'm like, no, they're not. Recruits don't react that emotionally. Christopher Tarek visited for Notre Dame's game against Stanford. Okay? So Michael Floyd visited – Manti Teo visited for the 2008 game against Syracuse. Michael Floyd visited Notre Dame and committed to Notre Dame in 2007 as part of one of the best recruiting classes Notre Dame has had, or I would argue the best recruiting class Notre Dame has had since in the post Lou Holtz era. Uh, kids don't react as emotionally to that stuff. He saw what Notre Dame was doing with the offensive line, and he, they made a push. Now, here's the interesting thing, Brian. You, We get this a lot. This next part of the story, we get a lot with Notre Dame kids. And it usually tells me this is why this kid is a Notre Dame kid, and and it with with Tarek it was he knew for a while he wanted from what I'm told he wanted to go to Notre Dame, that's where he kind of knew was the best place for him, but he's very torn on flipping and decommitting, and and because Wisconsin got him early, we remember that with Drew Tranquil, I remember that with Nick Martin having a tough time, you know, stepping away from Kentucky, we see that with a lot of kids, and sometimes they end up not flipping remember Jordan Westerkamp the receiver from Nebraska ended up not flipping to Notre Dame uh, but a lot of them do and obviously Christopher Tarek did so that's really what it came down to was that decision he was really torn about it he had actually kind of told the staff that he was going to take a step back finish his regular or finish the playoffs for his high school team he wanted to focus on his team they lost I think in I think in round two of the playoffs and then this last week he's really been in decision making mode and You know gave the staff the word today so that's kind of a little bit of the backstory on how this whole thing went down brian
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
2: It's only a
1: kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
2: I think that shows that he's got some character. First off Notre Dame beats to a different drum than especially where I I have been living in the state of Florida in terms of how programs have done their business over the decades. So he will probably fit in. He looks at big picture. What do you have to do to fit in in Notre Dame's curriculum as well as their social structure, kids that aren't just going to make fly off the handle decisions. So I didn't know that he was struggling with it that much. I wasn't sure if Notre Dame was pushing for him, but obviously they were. So to me, that's a good sign. And, you know, I, I respect Wisconsin's program, especially for O-line. It's been tremendous for what, 25 years. So I don't have a problem with somebody, you know, Hey, I want to be a part of that. I don't, you know, I don't have any problem. They were quite honestly, over that same time, they've been better at O-line than Notre Dame has. Notre Dame's been more up and down. So Mm -hmm. I get it. But, uh, If he came to that conclusion and he went through the process in a long fashion, it was probably the best way for him to do it, and good for Notre Dame for getting it.
1: Let's talk about the class impact of this, Brian. Obviously, this is the 25th player to commit to Notre Dame in the 2023 class. They're not done yet. They've got at least two more spots that they'd like to fill. This gives them 13 offensive players. I still remember kind of early in the summer. Uh, Notre Dame fans talking about, is the, is the offensive class going to pick up and catch up to the defensive class? Well, they have now passed them in numbers. They now have 13 offensive commits and he is the fifth offensive lineman to commit. Technically, he's the sixth offensive lineman to commit, but Elijah Page decommitted and flipped the USC uh, earlier in the year. So this gives them five offensive linemen. When you looked at the last couple years, Brian, you know, Notre Dame came up short numbers in 2020. And that was the class with Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody. The 2019 class is down to one to down to two kids. It's Andrew Kristofik and Zeke Carell. So you landed two players in 2019 that are still left on the roster, two players uh, from the 2020 class, and then you had five man class in 2021 and a five man class last year. So that kind of put Notre Dame into a you only really need four, and in a worst case scenario they could get away with three because of the youth on the current roster. When Joey Tenona's career was ended by injury, he got in a, a, a car accident and it just made it to where he couldn't come back and play football anymore. It opened up a spot for a, another lineman, and that's kind of when you saw Notre Dame look around at guys like Elijah Page, and and they could even potentially go to six if it was the right group, although five was kind of the number. But the five was sort of what they wanted. It wasn't the need. They weren't going to take a fifth offensive lineman just to take a guy. I think people need to, to, to understand that this was not a gee, you lost Elijah Page, so you got to go find somebody, move. They were perfectly fine being at four because four was the need. Five gives you that buffer, Brian. And I think and when it comes to offensive linemen, I think being able to kind of have that where if you find the right kid is important. I think that's important, Brian. I want you to comment on that. But the second part of it, too, is I think for the second year in a row, Notre Dame has landed a starting five. And that's I think that's I an important say. one too. Now, of course, Joey Tanona ended up not being able to pan out, but they landed pure tackles last year, uh, but they landed guards in the center. And this year, even more so, I think one thing that impacted the the, the ability to take Christopher Tarek was the the senior seasons from Sullivan Absher and Charles Jagasol, because they looked more like future tackles. Whereas before, it's kind of like you know right tackle guard, especially Jagasol looking like he could even play left tackle now that gave them the ability to take a kid like Tarek and not have to look for a pure tackle, which was kind of the earlier need for the fifth guy. I think those two things, obviously, are, were very interesting aspects of Notre Dame, being able to, to find this kid, identify this kid, and push for this kid, and, of course, get another kid from the state of Illinois.
2: Your point about getting five is something that I talk about all the time with recruiting, and I'll argue with fans. You'll see a school get excited. They, they have a position where they're struggling, pick whatever school, whatever position, and they'll over-recruit it a year, which is fine. But do you have a balanced class, at least over two two classes? Look at Texas A&M. You cannot recruit defensive line any better than they have over the last four years. It's not possible. But they didn't have other parts around it that worked together, and they had a lot of individuals instead of team guys, kind of like what we were talking about with Tarek coming for the right reasons. That, those things destroy you. This kid adds into a group that you can put together that from left tackle to right tackle can balance itself out. And like you said, they wanted, you know, if they were going to take a kid. They weren't going to waste a scholarship. They're down to kind of the numbers. If they're going to take anybody else. It's got to be a really good player. Mm-hmm. I can't see why they wouldn't have done this. So fit at Notre Dame is a little different again, but just from my football perspective, it makes sense. My only question for you, Brian, out of the kids they've taken last year and this year, which one is the most likely to end up playing center? Because that's, except for a left tackle, I mean, it's probably the hardest spot to play on. Joe
1: Odding is the kid they're targeting for that now, but Sam Pendleton has also been talked about possibly doing that. I think it's, You know, in in a two-year span, you've got – because Tonona was a kid that they had potentially looked at that along with Ashton Craig last year. I think now Ashton Craig is kind of the fit there. You have Pat Coogan playing that position from the 2021 class. My understanding is Joe Otting will probably get first crack at that, but then you'll also potentially see Sam Pendleton get some uh, chances to do that too if that's going to get him on the field faster. And I've compared Sam Pendleton a lot to a kid that he reminds me a ton of is Braxton Cave. You know, so I I think – you know. Weight room kid, you know six three, six four, you know real physical, broad shoulders, you know little, little more stocky than he is long, you know really fits inside. Reminds me a lot of Braxton Cave uh, coming out of high school. Maybe he moves a tad better than Braxton did. But Braxton was a good football player at Notre Dame, especially before the foot injury in uh, it was a two thousand ten when he hurt his foot or two thousand eleven yeah. that kind of hampered him a little bit. But still a good football player at Notre Dame, no question about it.
2: Yeah, I hope that Notre Dame can keep this balance up. And it's ironic that this kid committed today because you and I talked to some of the same people around the industry. You're not going to beat USC or any team unless you can run the ball consistently, et cetera, et cetera. Last night, obviously, number seven being banged up, and he's he's a freight train, but he had turf toe. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get a you know, you don't get to use your best player. That hurts quarterback situation's a little iffy, although you got to give Drew Pine credit. He was accurate last night.
1: I mean, there ain't any way around yeah. he was
2: accurate. I'll give him credit. But USC had a special, special player on the other side. If you mm-hmm. if USC's in that position, which I'm sure they're going to recruit quarterback at a high level, that's who Notre Dame's recruiting against, along with you know, Alabama, Georgia, you need to win up front. Notre Dame is not yeah. going to consistently outskill Alabama, USC, right. Georgia. Not I mean, they're when you've got Michael Floyd or something, you can make that argument. That's fine. But by and large, that's not going to be the case. And even if you do, it's advantageous to just beat the crap out of the guy in front of you and make it second out of five. That never changes. So I'm I'm cool with this. Brian, you said earlier in the
1: show, real quick, because I want to I want you to build on that. You said earlier in the show about because some people say that. Well, you know, you're just you're you're kind of giving up on trying to do this, that, or the other thing. Uh, You you said earlier in the show, you know, you grew up in the Lou Holtz era. You and I both grew up in the Lou Holtz era. That was the same thing that was true back then, too. So, I mean, look, they had their Rockets and their Ricky Waters, but other teams would have like seven dudes that could run. Notre Dame would have like three. You know, they had the secondary guys, but the overall team speed wasn't the same. Where Notre Dame was able to neutralize that and where their speed could then shine is because they would beat you up in the trenches. That's why they were able to beat Miami. That's why they were able to beat Florida State. That's why they beat Florida. And even harder against Miami because Miami was the one Southern team that actually had really good – trench play which is partly why they dominated everybody else in the south and that's that's always been the recipe at notre dame you're going to get your fair share of skill players but to your point you're not going to have a roster that has jerry judy uh, Devontae smith henry ruggs and jalen waddle on the same team you may get one of those guys but you're not going to get or even two but you're not going to get four of them and that's why it's important to get kids like this and here's another thing too brian you now have two offensive linemen from illinois two from North Carolina and one from Kansas. I, I do like the aspect of, of – maybe it's a bias that I have, but I like getting more of the northern, midwestern type of linemen. I think those kids just tend to understand what Notre Dame is about a little bit more, I think, maybe than, than kids who come from different parts. Now, That doesn't mean kids from another part of the country can't shine. We've seen it, but I just really like finding as many kids as possible that are, that are midwestern, North, northern kids.
2: I think that you're you're mostly right with that. I mean, I've lived down south for quite a few years now. Most of the kids look at things differently in Dixie. Uh, I just recently moved to Texas. It's a little different than Florida, but overall, the point is still the same. It's more individualistic. Um, we need kids at Notre Dame, especially O-line. They're going to buy into Harry Heastan, the overall message from really just anybody on the coaching staff, but Marcus Freeman, and they're just going to go through the grind. Um, my question for you with this kid, assuming there's – and I'm sure somebody will transfer or get hurt. What are the O-line numbers in totality next year? Are we at 15?
1: It's right so they have, – They'll have – when they course. show up next year, they'll be at 14 for next year with the 21, 22, and 23 classes. And then you'll have the two the 22 kid, kids. So uh, you'll have Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody. And then you'll have the two kids from the 2019 class, most likely. You so know, So they'll be at 18, which I think is 15 to 18 is really where you want to be uh, in, in with that group. And then the other thing, too, that, that is factors into this, and we'll talk even more about this in the what's next portion. But part of the reason they were, if they could find the right kid, they wanted a fifth is right now the 24 class is not looking like a real deep yeah. offensive line class, especially in the Midwest. You know, and then there's some kids that they liked, but you know, like they passed on the Ian Moore kid from Indiana who committed to Ohio State. He just didn't really fit their profile. They obviously have Peter Jones, uh, and we'll, we'll kind of dive into more of that. But they also kind of had to look at that and say maybe some kids emerged and allow us to get to four next year. But I think you're going to see 23, 24 be the targeted number because to your point, what you can't do is get into the years where you're bringing six guys in consistently. Wow. You'd have done that this year if it was the right guys. But only because you couldn't turn guys away, not because it was necessarily your ideal. So now you have five, four, five, and then you get three, and then you get back into a four, five, four, five type of range. And with the portal, some kids are gonna leave as they get to be juniors and get their degrees because they're getting passed by. So you'll see more of the the older kids start to kind of leave after you know three, three and a half years because they're gonna they can transfer right away, they'll have years of eligibility and You'll be in a situation where they're going to have their degree, so we'll see that as well. It'll it'll work itself out, but I think eighteen is about as as high as you want to go. Agreed. You know, but a lot of it's going to be. Here's the interesting thing: a lot of it's going to be young. A lot of it's going to be juniors and younger. You know, and red shirt red shirt sophomores and younger, with the exception of Blake Fisher and Joe Walt looking into next year when, they, when they'll be juniors. So that impacts it as well, and that's how uh, you know you look at the the class impact of it again, I like the balance of what they do. I do. I like what, I like the balance of it. You've got length. Here's nothing too. You've got length. We'll talk about this. Harry Hestan likes length. Joe Otting is about 6'4", but he's long. Sullivan Absher is incredibly long. Charles Jagasaw is an insanely long. And Christopher Tarek is long. The only guy that's not real long is Sam Pendleton, who's around 6'3", 6'4" good length, but interior, good, good interior length, you know, different, and that's Harry's deal. And every single one of those kids that they're recruiting plays offensive tackle in high school. And that's another thing that you see Harry hestan usually is all about. He very rarely will he take a guy that plays inside in high school. He loves kids that play tackle in high school. And then they project to different things inside. And that's, that's where I like it. That's where I like it. And that's where he likes it as well.
2: I, I'm curious to see how quickly they can get, Charles Jagasaw up to speed. Yeah, you mentioned Fisher, and you mentioned Alt. I would say conservatively, barring injury or something unforeseen, one of those two will leave after their junior year, if not both. I think that's probably something that Notre Dame is, you know, conversed about recruiting as well. Uh, whether you take a, a tackle transfer or one of these kids develops, you just want to give yourself options. But they're doing well enough now, especially with Jagasaw coming in. I would imagine they'd have somebody that could, you know, just a high-talent guy that can do that. Most schools can't handle losing an NFL offensive tackle early. It screws them up. Even Notre Dame, Michigan, et cetera, those schools, it's hard to lose. I mean, Alabama, Georgia, they have been just factory with o- OTs here lately. Outside of those two schools, and I, even Iowa, it usually – it's a four- and five-year player. So I, I think it's good that Notre Dame is in that position where they're not just scrambling – it wasn't all that long ago. I remember thinking to myself, "We're lucky to run for 150 yards." You know, mm-hmm. now if Notre Dame doesn't run for 150, it's very disappointing. Yeah, it's like almost shocking. Like last night, really surprised me. But there were some things they they just couldn't get USC off the field, and that killed the offense. But they they rarely are in that, and they take it to the other team. OT is Notre Dame's strength,
1: mm-hmm. and it should
2: be moving forward. And that's a huge advantage for the
1: Irish. Let's watch some film, Brian, and I, I want to kind of bring this up. I want to look at this kid and, and kind of take a dive into to what he brings, right, Brian, and I, I think this is something, obviously, we, we like to do. Let's uh, let's get him on the full screen. Y'all don't need to see us. All right, he's he's better looking than we are anyway, so let's get this here on uh, Christopher Tarek. So you, he is a right tackle for uh, his high school team, as you'll see here. This is senior film. First thing that I that you'll notice, Brian, obviously, is you kind of work through the different traits. When you watch a kid, you look for size, and this kid has lots of size. I mean, he's he's listed at 6'5 to 6'6. He's listed between 295 to 305. He's got really good length, but he's not a fat, pudgy 305 where you've got to work 15, 20 pounds off first. You know, He's that typical Midwestern big, you know what I mean? Like a Liam Eikenberg type, but, uh, you know, type of big as opposed to uh, – you know, a guy that you may see coming from a from a southern or southwestern area.
2: I think he's a kid that can – he could play right tackle if you needed him to. But I like the way he moves in a short area. I like him better at guard. And he is a mauler. So he, he certainly fit what Wisconsin did. Look at that
1: finish. Yeah. Yeah. He, another thing too, Brian, that I like, he's a big kid but I, a long kid, but he he plays with good pad level. I mean, he doesn't move his feet great on this particular snap, but you see him sink his butt. He keeps his base wide, plays with good pad level. You, you see a lot of 6'6 six, six kids that they come off really high, especially against smaller kids, and they have a really hard time kind of bending. You see a good knee bend here. Again, he's not a, a, an exceptional athlete, which we'll get into, but you see an immediate knee bend, right? Sinks his butt, bends his knees, and then shoots his hands. That's what you want to see. Now, next step for him, Brian, would be, okay, move your feet on contact. All right, don't don't get heavy-footed on contact. But a lot of the other stuff that you see on a clip like this and other clips, Brian, is really sound stuff that shows me a kid that knows how to bend, and, of course, you, you see the finish there.
2: Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any problem with him playing on the inside. It fits his personality.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's important too you can get away with a tackle that maybe plays a little high. You cannot have a guard that plays high, Brian. He'll get killed, he'll get crushed. He'll, you'll get in his pads the whole game. You'll get underneath his pads the whole game long. So I like the fact that he he can play with good pad level and he's you know he this is why he's a guard, Brian. Like you'll see clips of him here in a little bit where he's not like a guy that's like necessarily great in space on the edge, but his short area quickness and power is impressive. He gets on this kid in a hurry. He really fires off the ball well. You see him keeping low. What I like about this clip, he's not playing a real big kid, but you don't see his head. Once he hits that guy, you don't see his head anymore cuz he's got his pads low and he's getting up underneath this kid, which is again not something that's easy to do for a 6 foot 6 high school kid. And then another pancake. Lots of that in this film.
2: Yeah, most of the kids he's going against, once he gets his two hands on, they're in a, they're in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah. Moves his feet well when he when the when the technique is right he moves his he can he can move his feet well uh, at times I think he 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 gets a little heavy footed with his technique but like that's a good clip where he moves his feet on contact. Other think, too, he uses his hands pretty well, Brian. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him shoot a little bit better, but I think he moves his moves his hands well. This is another clip. You see how quickly he gets off the ball, gets up into this kid, does a nice job of moving his feet here, overtakes that kid, and like look. Here's the deal, Brian, kids, kids don't pancake this much in college, right? Like Quentin Nelson didn't pancake people this much in college, but I need to see a high school kid that just constantly puts people on the ground, like on their back like this, like that's, that's a big tell for me for a high school kid, as far as just his power, you know?
2: Especially for a kid that's going to have to play on the inside, at least if he's going to maximize his ability, that's absolutely true. So And his pad level, like you were talking about, (sighs) Notre Dame goes up against a lot of teams with really athletic interior defensive Mm -hmm. linemen, USC being obviously one of them. Yep. You better have guys that can move people or or they're going to get too many tackles for loss. You're not going to have a chance.
1: Look how quickly he gets off the line here. He really comes off the the line well, moves quickly to the second level. This is one of the few second-level clips. And then, of course, another. Puts a little kid in a little bit of the rock bottom there. Might want to work on not getting that hand around real quick. I like this here. Keeps that outside arm free. This is another fundamentally sound play. He's working on the combo block. He doesn't turn inside to the end. He keeps his hips square. Sees that guy shoot inside, which allows him to easily get up to the linebacker. And guess what? Another guy that gets put on the ground. And if you watch game film, there's some game film that you can find on on YouTube. This this happens a lot. I mean, he He really can drive people off the ball. He really gets pushed off the ball, which I like. I like a lot.
2: When was the last time we flipped a kid from Wisconsin?
1: Oh boy. Um, I can't remember. I know they they beat they beat Wisconsin for Billy Shrouth last year, but he was never he was never committed to Wisconsin. I do not, he was not committed to Wisconsin when he picked Notre Dame. I don't believe he was ever committed to Wisconsin. Uh but yeah, it's it, it's been a while. And the other thing too is Bob Bostad's back as their offensive line coach, and he is the guy that kind of got a lot of that stuff started with uh, Lamad and then Chris a little bit before he moved to the NFL and then came back to coach linebackers, gets his feet a little narrow here. You'll see that at times he'll narrow his feet at times. That's a technique thing. Starts off. Well, starts with a nice base, but he keeps that, that left foot ba- uh, kind of set. And then he brings that right foot a little bit too much, but that's all correctable stuff. Kid plays a lot of power, a lot of force and he's a mover, Brian. I mean, that's what you have said multiple times now. Like, Notre Dame needs kids that can move people, and this is a kid that can move people.
2: Yeah, you need at least one road grader in your starting five. He obviously fits the profile,
1: mm-hmm. and I think that's what that's what he stands like. We, we talked about this on our show before, Brian. Uh, some of the you see a little. This is one of the few clips you can see him up close. This is where you see that thick bottom, right? You see that, Brian, like. Big butt, big thighs, big hips. Like this is the kind of Midwestern kid I'm talking about. He's not fat at all. He's just a thick kid. But uh, one of the things that, that I think that we've seen in recent years is they've 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 got a lot of long athletic types. But Notre Dame hasn't recruited a ton of of thumpers, you know. And and that's what this class is full of. Like with the exception of Joe Otting, who's more of an athletic kid. And Joe, trust me, Joe can hit, but. I mean, is a thumper. Sullivan Absher's a thumper. Sam Pendleton's a thumper. This kid's a thumper. I don't think that's by accident with Harry – with it being Harry Heastan's first offensive line class, Brian.
2: I think they know what we were talking about earlier. They're going to out-athlete teams to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. But in the elite-level games, even if you look at Georgia right now, who I think is going to win another national title, you have to beat people up because everybody has athletes once you get into the top ten in the country. It's still about blocking and tackling. That really doesn't change.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So why try to beat beat the system that's set the way it is? Right. You know, you're just well, look you're, what Michigan's uh, done to
1: Ohio State the last two years. Michigan can't match Ohio State athlete for athlete. They should beat them up. You know, that's a big key.
2: They absolutely mauled them yesterday. Ohio State's scheme wasn't very good on defense, mm-hmm. and they were not ready for the physicality.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: Michigan, you got to give them credit. They, they That Keegan guy they have is a, a player that's similar to this kid. Mm-hmm. Keegan's just a lot more technically sound, obviously. He's mm-hmm. an NFL player, but they couldn't do anything with him. He had his way with the Ohio State guys.
1: This is one of the few pass blocks you'll see, Brian. This is good technique for a high school tackle. And, and to your point earlier, he could play right tackle in a Wisconsin system, an Iowa system. Right. And in a Notre Dame system, I think he's more of a guard, but you see nice base here out of the stance, you know, nice, nice, you know, good length, not elite length there, but, mo- you know, moves his feet relatively well, mirrors relatively well, you know, good high school tackle. But in high school, in, in college, I think you start putting this in short areas and he projects to be a really good pass blocker. It, you know, like that's the, that's where I think Josh Lug was at his best this year is, is an, is an interior pass blocker. You know, Josh. I think all the injuries have kind of taken a lot of Josh's ability to just really punish people away like he could in high school and earlier in his career with all the back injuries and stuff. But that's what Josh was coming out of high school. And I see this kid is very similar and and projects very well as a pass blocker at the next level, also in my opinion. On top of being a good – I mean, run blocking is why you're primarily getting him. But I think there's some projection there for him to be a, a good, a good pass blocker as well with some technical work. I always like seeing an offensive linemen playing in the snow. You're like, okay, yeah, you're getting a, you're getting a northern kid. You're getting the right kind of kid.
2: Yeah, I don't get He's to him. see that where I'm
1: at. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's him playing defensive line. By the way, that's a good sign. Taking on, taking on a du- split and a double team, <laughs> running back just runs into him and falls down. <laughs> he doesn't even really tackle the guy. <laughs> I love it. That him.
2: is not a good football player. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's <laughs> Bad decision. not.
1: Badness. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a good football player. You know, it, it's almost like every clip almost looks the same, Brian. Comes off, drives a dude off the ball, and puts him on his butt. You know, it's like, okay, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Oh, well, that's that's okay. That's where you want it to be. That's absolutely where you want it to be. Here's wasn't, another defensive clip.
2: Wasn't Chris Watt from that area?
1: Yes. I think Chris Watt went to the same high school.
2: I, th- I thought he did, so, too. Um,
1: let me let me see here real quick. Chris, he was from Glen Ellen. He went to Glen Bard uh, West. West. Yeah, so Hame, same high school.
2: Yeah. Yep. I was going to say, that program is not a stranger to having good football players. Mm-hmm. It's Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, those kind of schools have always recruited mm-hmm. there.
1: Yep. Yep. So that's – yeah, that's uh, – Again, Brian, we could keep playing this over and over and over again, but you're, you're just going to keep seeing the same clips from this kid. Here's a defensive clip. Okay, here we go. Yeah. And before anyone asks, he's not a college defensive tackle. No, But, but you, but like you said, you like to see it. This is a really nice play right here. Look, look how, look how his snap anticipation too, Brian. He's always the first kid moving like, getting those feet working inside. I really like that quick power step, brings that second foot appropriately, but doesn't bring it too far this time. So he's able to keep his base, work his hips around, seal that backside off, and then just punish the kid. It's a powerful football player.
2: This reminds me so much of when Joe Moore was at Notre Dame. Mm
1: -hmm. This is – okay, look, this is something – he doesn't play a lot of guard. This clip right here was interesting, I thought, Brian. Brian. Technique as a puller is going to need a lot of work, but he gets out there pretty quickly. And that's good to see. He's quicker
2: to- than you would give him credit for until you really you know watch the film.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a nice down block there. He's trying to get on. He he's trying to block a kid who's playing in a two-eye there. Yeah, that's not
2: that's not a good play for what he's right. at.
1: Yeah, but he gets it and punishes a kid. Now that's harder to do when you're playing. Yeah, Probably Division guys. one. Right. division
2: one. that's not going to work out well.
1: Right. This is nice fun. leg drive here. Keeps his base, gets a push.
2: This
0: episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/specialoffer. All lowercase. That's Shopify.com/specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: There's
2: nothing like moving a man against his will.
1: Yes, yes. And the thing too is, Brian, a lot of kids can get pancakes where they move a kid and the kid kind of gets upfield and then they they fall on him, right? That's not a pancake. That's just you leaned on a kid.
2: That just All tells these, me you're not being athletic. <laughs> right.
1: All these kids are kids he's putting back and on their backs. That's not an easy thing to do. I don't really care what level of football. To do it as often as he does it, it's not an easy thing to do. It's really not an easy thing to do. And this is a decent level of competition, too, for Illinois, Brian. I mean, there's – there's I mean, again, same area, same – I think it's the same district. You've got Cam Williams, who's a Notre Dame commit, who went off this year.
2: You yeah, mentioned
1: that. They're going to produce the visual kids.
2: It's suburban Chicago. There are football yeah. players, no question.
1: So, Go Brian, first. that is Christopher Terrick's film. I, look, that that was much better than his junior film. Oh, and 100%. I'll say this: you you know who he reminds me a lot of? Now, different players, but I'm talking about making a big junior to senior jump. The late Taylor Dever. Right. Like really? he was a kid who, as a junior, you're looking at, you're like, eh, no, no, he's not a Notre Dame kid. But then you watch him as a senior, like, whoa, because Notre Dame got on him a little bit late, similar situation and flip them. And you're like, this kid's, you know, three star kid. You, 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 OK, where you, where's this coming from? And then you pop the film on and you're like, wow, this kid got a lot better as a senior. Uh, not quite the, the jump that because Taylor Dever, I don't think, was even a division one kid, in my opinion, as a junior. And then he went to another name caliber kid and started multiple years at Notre Dame was on Brian Kelly's or Harry, Brian Kelly's first couple offensive lines at Notre Dame. But uh, he's a, he's a, he had a similar jump. And I think that's something that you notice on film technical improvement, but really came down to power and size and just ability to just punish people really took a jump as a senior.
2: We need to find more kids like this early in the process. I'm just, I'm glad they got him, but you need at least one power player. Mm-hmm. Pure power player, mind you. In my opinion, if you're gonna do, especially with you know how yeah. much of the just straight-ahead duo combination blocking they're doing. If you're gonna do that, I mean he fits it to a T. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's I mean, what I like off. about this class, Brian, right? because Jagasol's a power player, Absher's a power player, mm-hmm. and Pendleton's a power player. And now you've got this kid. And I think it helps overcome that you didn't you didn't get as many of those guys. I mean, Michael, like Tosh Baker and Michael Carney in 2020, neither of those guys are power players. They're both kind of athletic, long guys. You know, last, you know, 2021 class, you know, Blake Fisher is that. But, you know, Joe Alt's not a power player. He's a long athletic kid. Caleb Johnson's an, a long athletic kid. You're very familiar with Caleb Johnson. He's not a power player, per se. Rocco was. Uh, last year's class, Ty Chan was, but you had Ashton Craig was an athlete, Emil Wagner was an athlete, Billy Shrouth is, a, is an athlete, although Billy also has power, and then Joey Tonona was sort of that in-between you know, of this. This class is, is enhancing just the pure, we're going to come off and punch you in the mouth for 60 minutes and move you, and that's what I think makes this class so good. I don't know if there's a better offensive line class in the country, in my opinion, in this one, in my personal opinion.
2: Out of the kids you just mentioned, if you think about a few selling points, people often ask me, Notre Dame has struggled forever and probably always will, corner, D-line, it's the hardest spots to recruit. And you say, well, what about this kid? And one of the things I'll tell somebody if they haven't seen him, I'll say, here's something you need to know. He was offered by Alabama. Mm -hmm. He was offered by LSU. He was offered by Southern Cal. And those are, you know, for like a D-end if a DN has an offer from Georgia, he's good. <laughs> he's, right. you know, it's, it's not. Well, I can scout, but it's it, sometimes it's just not rocket science. Right. Wisconsin wanted Shroud. Wisconsin wanted this kid, and then of course Fisher had offer from freaking every school in the country, and then you know you get you get lucky with Alt, who you know kind of a late developer. Mm-hmm. They they've hit the home run with these kids, and then Jagasaw too. They have some NFL players that are freshmen, sophomores, going to be junior. In every class, in my opinion, that makes life much easier for your quarterback situation.
1: Brian, there's a trifecta of offers. And you and I were told this when we came up, especially. There's a trifecta of offers that if a kid has an offer from those three schools, looking at it as if Notre Dame offers a kid that has offers from those three schools, it matters. And it was Iowa, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And this kid had offers from all three of those schools which is important to me, right? And then, of course, and, and then the final stamp of approval is, you know, Harry Hestand wanted him. Okay, <laughs> enough said. But well, to your yeah. point, that was part of my argument for why I was so confident that everybody else was missing the boat with Benjamin Morrison last year. Because who wanted him? Bama and Jimmy Lake may not be a very good head coach, and he may not be a very good defensive coordinator. But outside of Nick Saban, he is one of the two or three best identifiers of secondary talent in the country, which is why Washington every year was pumping out first and second round draft picks in the secondary every year under Jimmy Lake. When you beat Alabama and you beat Washington, for a kid from Arizona, it tells me, okay, I've got what I want to see. Right. And that's what, you know, like, um, when Chris when we were when Chris Watt was a really highly ranked kid coming out and Chris Watt was really good and everybody loved Chris Watt but I remember one of the things I was told this was when I first was getting into scouting was Iowa loves Chris Watt but their top lineman is Zach Martin there it is remember that and it was 100%. like because you and I were very high on Zach Martin and Notre Dame was trying to go for Michael Schofield they wanted Michael Schofield over Zach Martin now Michael Schofield's a good football player but you and I were like no this Zach Martin kid's a dude and then that was part of the thing was, is like that's who Kirk Ferentz views as the best lineman in the country. Like, okay, that tells me something, right? No, Notre Dame lucked out. This is Charlie staff. They lucked out, and Schofield starts leaning to Michigan, so then they make a move for Zach Martin, everybody to get him, and it worked out. But, you know, that's the thing is Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan. If those three kids want to school, you keep an eye on that. Pay attention to that. Just like corners – if Nick Saban offers a corner, that, that, that means something to me. You know, when Nick Saban oh, awesome, offers a man. Don Shuler – when when Alabama offered a Don Shuler, that should have been a wake-up call to Notre Dame fans, like, uh-oh, like, all right, cool. Wow, that that says something to me. Because Alabama's offering trying to flip this kid. Okay, there we go. And that's what you see from the current class. Uh, who are the schools offering the Notre Dame's current corners? It's it's LSU, it's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's and it's that tells you that, that these kids are special. And and that's Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan are all offers for this kid. And it tells you that they, that he's a good player. So let's move on to Ryan. Brian, we'll wrap up with a what's next. And then we, we will answer some questions here. Cause we do have a few questions from people that I want to, I do want to kind of address with some, so we'll kind of stick more to the recruiting questions and things along those lines, but what's next with this class? Well, obviously with what's next, we'll look at it from a from an offensive line standpoint, and then sort of the 2023 standpoint, they're clearly done on 2023 offensive line recruiting i mean they got their five they have you know if not the best they're in the conversation for the best one of the two or three best offensive line classes in the country in my view and i don't see anybody else surpassing them in my opinion they're at least going to be in the conversation so they're done here so then what's next i think the next thing is brian now what this allows them to do and, and they've been kind of already doing this a lot is they're they've spent a lot of time focusing on the 2023 2024 class they already have Peter Jones in the class for 2024, and now they're going to continue to focus on a kid named Gearby Lambert, who's from Massachusetts. You've heard a lot about him on our show. We've talked about him. He's a teammate of Bubakar Traori. He's sort of that next guy that they're really pushing for. He's a pure tackle, which is important, because I think, to your point, you need power players every class. There's There's three, there's two things that you gotta check off every year if you're Notre Dame. number one you gotta you gotta recruit power players number two, you need to land at least two pure tackles guys that no question can play tackle now they may end up moving to guard if if the depth chart allows for them to play there, but you got to get guys that are pure tackles and Giby Lambert's a pure tackle. by getting this kid, you also now really only need three linemen next year and so this is gonna allow them to kind of really zero in on the guys that they really like and the guys they really want. And, you're, and Gearby Lambert's a name you're going to hear. They're still kind of searching for who may be that third guy. Uh, again, it's not a great class, not a lot of great fits. I think they're looking for another pure tackle because Peter Jones is kind of a tackle guard, like power player type. I think they'd like to get another another pure tackle if they can in next year's class. So when you look at what's next, Brian, in 2020 with offensive line recruiting, it's really now moving forward to the 2024 class. Dearbree Lambert being the top player on the board for the staff, from everything I've been able to tell from my sources. And that's been true really for a while. He was one of the very first 2024 offensive linemen to get offered. And they offered him months ago. And Who's they've the been on him for, for a while.
2: Him? Who's Notre Dame competing Ronnie
1: Ronnie Stanley is a kid he reminds me a lot of as a player. Um, really long. A, a little unorthodox because he's kind of growing into his body a little awkward, but you can see flashes of like some really impressive athleticism. There's a little bit of junior film that came out this past year, his high school, for whatever reason, just does not put out a lot of film. I still can't find film with Bubacar Traore. Uh, and they, That's they crazy. don't, they, they don't talk. They don't, they're not really helpful. Those type of things it is what it is, but I probably found about 30 clips of him as a junior and he start his, his, uh, his awkwardness is kind of gone now. He's much more athletic. He's much more natural because Ronnie was that way. Remember, that's why Ronnie was a little bit underranked. People say, oh, all the recruiting services missed a boat on Ronnie Stanley. And I'm like, well, kind of because you could see the upside. But that's the flaw in that recruiting system, which is why, you know, we focus on the two grades. The where is the kid now and what's his upside grade? Well, they don't have that because with Ronnie Stanley, you always knew the ceiling was really high. But he also had a little bit of a lower floor because he's kind of raw. He's still kind of growing into his body. This kid has a very similar body to ronnie is i'd say he's probably a little bit more athletic than ronnie was at the same age uh not quite as big as ronnie but i think that's a very similar comp for me Just body type movement skills and then the fact that he's going to need a lot of work uh, i think gearby reminds me i mean he's a top 100 talent for me no question with borderline five-star upside and that's off of limited film you know so i don't hand out a lot of five-star upside grades when i don't have a ton of film with kids It just says a lot about what you can see from that kid on film already.
2: What schools will Notre Dame be competing with?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, I think Notre Dame has kind of put themselves in in position for him, Brian. But I mean, he's I'm pull up his offer list now. He's got he's got a ton of big offers. Again, he's from Massachusetts. (laughs) If he's Um, getting
2: SEC offers already, that's all I need. Penn
1: State, um, Michigan. So my LSU, Kentucky, (laughs) Miami. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, South Carolina, Stanford, and Wisconsin are the schools that have offered him Stanford so far. Stanford
2: offers a good sign for Notre Dame. It's yeah. historically always mm-hmm. been a good sign. It means he, but, yeah. he goes academic. to class.
1: Yeah. And the school he goes to, Catholic Memorial in Massachusetts, yeah. it's, a, it's a very high academic school. No Rocks question. Player. So, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then also, if you look at Gearby Lambert, he's starting to become a much more highly ranked player. Rivals now has him in their top 100 on three has him as the number 13 overall player in the country, and ESPN has him at number 65. So he's really seen his ranking skyrocket as more people have seen his junior film. So very, very talented, very, very talented young man. Now the other part of the what's next, Brian, is what's left in the 23 class. Right now Notre Dame has two more spots that they'd like to fill. Now obviously in the last week you've seen them get Kenny Minchie, now Christopher Tarek. Your offensive class is close to done. Notre Dame would like to land one more receiver – and we all know the kid that they're zeroing in on. That is Caleb Smith from Texas, a uh, kid that was committed to Texas Tech, a, a bit of a sleeper prospect that no name got on, Brian. A kid that's got a verified 44940 time. A lot, he's a six foot slot that can play X. You know, reminds me a lot of like a Brayden Lindsey, how you could use him type guy there positionally more of a natural receiver than Braden was, you know, kid that's got great route running potential right. <laughs> staff is very high on him. I'm talking about just the positional fit is what I was referring to with Braden Lindsay and the body type, very similar to Braden Lindsay body type wise and positional fit. He's more of a natural football player where, you know, Braden was a track kid that had to learn to play football. Uh, I, I like him in the slot in a pro style offense. If they were playing in a spread offense, I would like him actually more outside because he's got some vertical ability. He can take the top off a of defense. He's got really good route running skills in Notre Dame system. I think he really fits that. I, what I refer to him, Brian, is a pro style slot, not a Clemson slot. You know what I mean? Just and so, shifty yeah, guy, exactly. Like a shorter, shifty, catch a bunch of, he's more of a pro style slot that he's going to run routes. He can do the after the catch stuff as well. Uh, but he's the guy that this staff is zeroed in on. They're hoping to get him in, you know, get him to make a decision here or announce a decision here very soon. The staff is very high on Caleb Smith. They've been pushing hard for him. He's the guy that they kind of backed off Tayshon Lyons for uh, because they kind of looked at him as a better complement to the other four that they have in the class. Then also they still would like to get a 27th player. Uh, now, who is that going to be? We'll find out. Uh, I think that there's a couple kids that are looking at right now. Uh, there's a chance they could go to 28, depending on what happens with the portal here coming out over the next month. Uh, but another kid that they've really zeroed in on is Brandon Hillman. Brian, you know I'm going to love this kid because he's from my he's from the 757, so you know I'm going to have a bias here. But honestly, Brian, when I watched this kid's film, I was like, this kid gives me like the feels I had when I watched Jeremiah Usu koromoa Because remember, we t- he, he, Jeremiah right. Uso-Koromoa in high school would line up at free safety on one snap. He'd blitz off the edge as like an outside linebacker on the next. He played wide receiver, running back, quarterback, corner, like he did everything. And that's how that's how this kid is. I mean, some schools were recruiting him as a quarterback. You know, some schools recruiting him as a running back. He could play receiver. He could play safety. He could play rover. And when people ask me, what's Notre Dame him, Notre Dame recruiting him to play? And I'm like, football. I mean, he's that kind of guy. You you figure out where he's going to play later. I like him as a rover receiver. I think those are probably my two favorite positions. I think he could definitely play safety as well. Um, and he's a kid that you just want – I mean, because, like, sometimes I watch the film, I'm like, yeah, I really love this kid on defense. And then you see him with the ball in his hands. You're like, man, I'd love to get this kid to football. No, but he's a kid from Churchland High School in Portsmouth, which is a, a very high academic kid, had offers from uh, – obviously from Virginia, was, was had an offer from Virginia, which is an, an important offer for me to know a kid's academic standing. Notre Dame had him on campus again this fall in October as well, but he's another kid that they're pushing for and just they'll kind of let the position part of it figure itself out later if they can get him. He announced today he well he reaffirmed today that he will be making his decision known on December 7th, that is his mom's birthday, so that is the date that he picked. And he's he's blown up, Brian. He's a kid that when Notre Dame kind of got on him, uh, it's, got, it's got a very interesting backstory, which I'll eventually kind of get into. But when Notre Dame got on him, uh, he was a kid that had offers from like Norfolk State and Virginia, and and then all of a sudden you, you hear you start hearing some rumors about you know Notre Dame kind of getting on him, and then all of a sudden the offer list starts blowing up. And then when you look at his offer list now, uh, it now consists of because nobody had really heard of this kid prior to um, you know prior to him starting to get some Notre Dame interest. But if you look at his offer list now, Brian, it's USC, Notre Dame, USC, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Miami, North Carolina, Kentucky, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Boston College. Here's a key one, Vanderbilt in West Virginia. So the Virginia Vanderbilt offers to yeah, me are important because it tells me, that, okay, that's a kid that, that they've looked at the academics. But he went from none of those offers except like maybe Virginia Tech got on him, Virginia got on him late. But all those offers came in the last couple months, last month or two, as people saw his senior film. And as he also, it's also part of, he became more open to not playing quarterback because he was really dead set on wanting to be a quarterback. Yeah. And I remember and somebody not, telling me, yeah, that. not a college quarterback in my opinion. So. Uh, he's a kid that Notre Dame is also on. They're also recruiting Khalil Barnes, who is a another kind of all-around guy from Georgia. Uh, he's a kid that can play receiver, can play corner, can play safety. I'd more like him as a safety receiver type. I, I kind of like him more as a safety, really, to be honest with you. I think he moves a little bit more like a safety. And then don't be surprised over the next couple weeks if another DB name pops up at some point in time that the staff's taking a look at. Uh, depending on kind of what happens with the current roster. So there's just some names on the board. I'm not going to get into them right now that if there are departures from the current roster sure. that you may see them look to fill those. Cause that's what Notre Dame wants to do. There will be some portal options, but Notre Dame is primarily going to be a program that says we're going to recruit high school kids and develop high school kids with the occasional transfer fix, which is what they've always done. Right. Going back to Cody Rick, I mean, I mean, the 1988 team had a transfer on it, you know, Pat Eilers. But it's just not going to be how Notre Dame makes their bread and butter. And we can argue all day about whether they should or shouldn't. That's just not where they are right now. They're going to try to get a quarterback and a receiver and maybe a defensive end. But their bread and butter is going to be recruiting high school kids and developing high school kids, whether we like it or not. I'm okay with it. But So I think when you see kids leave, more often than not, you're going to see Notre Dame replace them with high school kids and – that's kind of what you are going to see in this class as well. So it could get up to 28, Brian, but I'm, I'm feeling much better about my months ago prediction that they'll get to 27. I'll be shocked if they don't get to at least 27 now in this class.
2: Well, I think <clears throat> like you, and I'm not from Virginia, I'm a big fan of that kid because I've watched his film a couple of times. Where do you play him? And if you're a three, three, five defense, or if you're a four, three D there's a lot of ways you could look at it, but he gives you options especially when you go against a team one week's a power football team then the next week it's a spread team. You could move him around on defense. That's how I, I would start there. But if he ended up at wide receiver, I wouldn't complain either. It, just as an example, good athletes tend to work out. Figure it out later. Lou Holtz and Vinny Serrato, yeah. about a third of their class were kids they didn't know exactly where they were going to play. Rocket being one of them. Mm-hmm. So, right. it you know. It's it's just incredible how many of their key players have moved positions and not only done well at Notre Dame ended up in the NFL. Bobby Taylor played corner, played free safety. You know that yeah. if you're good, it takes care of itself. Give me the players, allow the coaching staff well, well, to make. Well,
1: Brian, them. where'd Reggie Brooks begin his career at Notre Dame? Where'd Audrey Denson corner. begin his career? Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, right. he, they had so many running backs, and Reggie was a good athlete. They're like, well, we'll at least put you over here for a while. Obviously, running back worked out long term. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, outside of a guy like Bettis, who's just, you know, that was just dumb. Everybody else pretty much had some versatility. Aaron Taylor played guard before he moved to tackle as a senior. Mm-hmm. He didn't even play a tackle till his senior year. Notre Dame had some guys up front, but they found ways to make it work. If you have good coaches, those things don't tend to be conversation points on message boards very often. The teams that are six and six, that might be more of a case because, like, when Holtz came in, he moved guys all over the place. Yep. The rock they were five and six that first year, but they should have been about nine and two. They lost like four games by a touchdown or less, at turnovers or a drop pass, etc. And then they would have won. But that's what good coaching does. And this staff has enough experience, and they've got to sit, especially on defense now. They've got the corners coming up. I think it's we're gonna see a lot of different things changing on defense moving forward. They need some more size inside. The USC game showed some of that, but mm-hmm. that's not a huge, huge concern. They've got some younger guys, I think it'll be okay. Adding guys like Hillman just gives you more options yeah. for things you can do. I rover or whatever again, that'll take care of
1: it. Yeah. Yeah, you let your roster figure it. I mean, he see another kid from Virginia that was similar to that, Brian, is, is CJ Procise. 100%. Who began his career at Notre Dame in safety, eventually moves to be a starting receiver and then moves to running back where he'd never played in his life and rushes for a thousand yards and becomes a third round draft pick in one year as a running back. I mean, you're gonna find kids like that in Virginia. Yes, absolutely. God, Virginia remember that play he
2: ran down the sidelines
1: against LSU? I mean, LSU on oh, the jet sweep, yeah, 2014 getting The Music City he Bowl? didn't yeah. even have the
2: angle, and the guy didn't get to it.
1: And Wasn't like, that Jamal oh. Adams? Yeah. It was Jamal Adams. that was chasing mm-hmm. him. I could, I could be wrong on that, but I, I think, I think so. So that's going to do it for our breakdown of Christopher Tarek and sort of a what's next for Notre Dame. We're going to do a little mailbag here next. So if you do have some questions, I, we're going to stick to recruiting questions for now. Uh, Brian, do you have a few minutes to kind of hang out and answer some Let's questions? It, with me? So we'll do that next. But before we get there, folks, please do us a favor, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast Sign up for our our, board, our message board at boars.irisbreakdown.com. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're listening via podcast, give us a five-star review. And, of course, sign up for the CFB Nation channel on Apple or Spotify. And, of course, uh, subscribe to it on our YouTube channel. <laughs>